Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. You know, we miss a lot of opportunities to talk to our friends who are Christian, but they're not Catholic Christians. Like this gospel. Okay? Elijah and Moses, two biggest figures in the Old Testament. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. They lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. Peter, James, and John see Jesus talking with two dead people. Uh, friends, there are no dead people in heaven. If you get there and there are dead people, it's not heaven. Right? Um, everyone in heaven is alive. And so here's Moses and Elijah and other gospels tell us what they were talking about. They were talking with Jesus about his exodus, his departure. Moses had the first exodus, um, and they were talking with Jesus about his exodus. So we know what they were conversing about, the, uh, the death of Jesus, his suffering and death, which would come very soon. We hear that at the bottom of today's gospel. The, uh, a man who preached beautifully on the passion of Christ, um, St. Fulton Sheen. I'm going to start calling him St. Fulton Sheen. Why? Because uh, it's like being on an airplane ready to take off and they're just sitting there, right? Well, we got the okay for the canonization of St. Fulton Sheen. The problem is the Bishop of Peoria and the Cardinal Archbishop of New York, um, they're fighting over his body. You see, Fulton Sheen was born in Peoria, but he's buried in St. Patrick's Cathedral. And they don't want to they don't want to give him up. I don't blame them. But we're not getting a canonization until they decide um, who's going to get the body. Well, um, back in 1953, just when they started breaking ground for this church, which was dedicated in 54, um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen had been on the radio for a long time. And Catholics and non-Catholics, non-Christians were listening to him, right? And then he, he went to television. And um, he had a show on television that he could come right into your living room. You can see all of this on YouTube if you just type in, Life is Worth Living. Fulton Sheen's uh, um, YouTube um, videos will come right up. And you learn something every time he... He talks and he's very dramatic. He really holds your attention. Uh, but he was always talking about the lies of communism. How do you know a communist is lying? His lips are moving. Yeah, that's how you know a communist is lying. He, oh, he really gave it to the communi communists. Of course, we know today there are no more communists in the world. You know who said that? A communist. It's a lie. They're all over the place, right? But... Um, he was talking about communists in his program. In fact, the name of his show, Life is Worth Living, totally opposed to what the communists believe. They believe you're born, you work, you die. Psst, that's it. That's it. Boy, communism is very attractive, isn't it? Uh, like an ingrown toenail, I guess, right? Oh, isn't that? Oh, I just fascinating. I want to be a communist. No, life is worth living. So one day, at the end of February, he got up on TV, live TV, 
And he was talking about the communists. The, uh, the, the second most powerful man in the world was a communist, Stalin, Joseph Stalin. And um, uh, St. Fulton Sheen was mentioning um, Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar. And he took all he took Caesar and Brutus and Mark Antony, took those names out. And he was focusing on the death of Caesar and all that happened afterwards. And um, so he took that out and he, he put in the name, instead of Caesar, he put in Stalin. And then he put in the other characters from communism. And then he said this on live TV. Stalin must one day meet his judgment. Now, the way I just said it is nothing like uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen would have taken five minutes to say that. And you'd all be crying. Um, at the end of the five minutes, Stalin must one day meet his judgment. What happened three days after he pronounced those words? Stalin had a stroke. And less than a week later, he died on March the 5th, 1953. And it appears to have been prophesied on live TV by St. Fulton Sheen. Stalin was um, a wretch. He, um, he brought about the deaths of millions of his own countrymen. Millions. You know, he was a big part of World War II. In World War II, over 50 million people in Europe, Africa, Asia died. Over 50 million people. The, um, um, so when you get, say, 20, 30,000 who died, that's nothing. Now 50 million, that's, that's a big number. But 20, 25,000, you see, in 1940, on March the 5th, 1940, Stalin ordered the death of, say, 25 to 30,000 Polish um, soldiers, most of them officers from the Polish army in a place not too far from Poland called uh, Katyn Forest. And um, the, um, it was in the middle of the war. And they just said, I just get rid of it. Just execute them. And that's what they did. And they blamed it on the Nazis. The Nazis blamed it on the commies. It, it was 1990. 1990 when Gorbachev admitted, yeah, the commies did it. Stalin ordered it. Five years ago, the Congress, if you will, of Russia admitted that Stalin is the one who gave that order. Exactly 13 years before his death, Stalin ordered the death of these insignificant Poles in a, in a forest nobody had ever heard of. Just, just dig a hole and put their bodies in there. Yeah. And exactly 13 years later, he died on that same day. Oh, there, there are memorials there about it today. But there is no such thing as an insignificant death. There is no such thing, according to him, of insignificant suffering and pain. Um, the communists will tell you, you're born, you live, you die. Psst, just shut up. That's what they'll tell you. Um, no, life is worth living. This, this is an amazing set of readings today. This first reading goes with the gospel. 
like a hand in glove. There's God, there's a, there's a father in the first reading and his son. In uh, the gospel, there is a father and his son. Um, in the first reading, the father loves his only son. The same thing in the gospel. Abraham loved Isaac. And God said, okay, I want you to sacrifice him to me and I'll show you where. So um, they, uh, they took pack animals and they took the wood, the fire, the knife, and they set off. Um, then they got to a certain point where they had to leave the, the, the helpers and the, the donkey behind. So they loaded up the firewood. You had to have a lot of firewood. They loaded up the firewood on the back of Isaac and he carried it the rest of the way. So he was no, um, he was a big guy. He was strong. He carried it all the way up the mountain. And when he got up there, he arranged it in the form of an altar. Then he climbed up on top and then his father, Abraham, uh, said to him, okay, now put your hands behind your back. And you know what he did? He put his hands behind his back. Friends, this first reading is all about Abraham. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's about Abraham and it's about Isaac. Isaac could have just done this. I mean, as strong as he was, he could have done that. Uh, get away from me, you old man. Uh, he didn't do that. He was as docile to his father as Abraham was to God. And did you see what, uh, did you see what happened? God said, I am so impressed. Now, Abraham was over a hundred and he had one son. That's it. And this is what God said to him. I swear by myself. That because you acted as you did and did not withhold from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Um, that's amazing for someone who has one son and he's over a hundred. What's he spacing them apart, right? The uh, so look at the cover of this bulletin. Uh, Bishop Farrell asked that we get the word out about this that happened just a couple of weeks ago um, in northern Africa. Um, the, um, these 21 men, uh, all but one a Coptic Christian, um, cops are from um, Egypt, the, um, they were executed. They were executed. You can find out more about them if you want to. You notice the crowns that are falling from heaven? Those are crowns of martyrdom. Do you notice how they're all folding their hands? It, no, I don't see that either. Why are they not folding their hands? Well, look, you can see the hands of one. You can see one hand of one because their hands are tied behind their backs. Yeah, that red stole on them, that's, uh, that's there. That forms a cross, the cross of martyrdom. Um, look where they were executed. They were executed on the seashore. Um, oh, oh, that's right. I heard seashore here just a minute ago in the first reading. Yeah, this is connected to the promise that God made to Abraham centuries before Jesus was born. How in the world is that possible? Well, through baptism. Um, these men in their 20s, 30s and early 40s, you can go on and dig around and, and find how they left Egypt in 2010. Yeah, 2010. Remember, that was the year of the Arab Spring 
What a disaster. When they were announcing the Arab Spring, I thought, well, there goes tourism. You know the one industry in Egypt? Tourism. Bye. Bye, tourism. Yeah. And so these 20 men and uh, this man in the middle of the picture, he's from Ghana, Africa. I'll tell you about him in a second. But the 20 men left Egypt because there was no work in Egypt. And they went over to Libya, where it was very dangerous, just so they could support their families back in Egypt. And every one of them was killed. You know, about 20,000 have just left Libya and gone back to Egypt because of this. But, you know, there are only 20, 21 killed. It's an insignificant number. There is no pain. There is no suffering. There is no death that is insignificant to him. And these men are part of the promise that God made to Abraham when um, he was so generous. The, um, did you notice what happened uh, when God stopped him? It says God sent a messenger. Telegram. Telegram. No, it's not a telegram. It's a messenger. Uh, angel means messenger. Sometimes I wonder why anybody can ever read the Bible. Um, the messenger said this. Uh, the angel said, the angel was sent from God. A messenger from God said, um, stop, do not do the least thing to him. I know how devoted you are to God. Okay. Now look what it says. Abraham looked around and he saw a ram. Of course, we know what a ram is. A mortal enemy of a cowboy. Right. No, a ram is not just a football player. A ram is a sheep, a male sheep. A mature male sheep. And his horns were caught in the thorns. Abraham offered that as a thanksgiving sacrifice. Look at the psalm. Um, psalm. The psalm for today. To you, God, will I offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now look at the gospel today. And um, um, the uh, says, um, after God... The father said from the cloud, this is my beloved son. And it says, suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus with them. Yeah. Who, who was they? Peter, James, and John. Suddenly, they were looking around and they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone. They only saw a lamb. They only saw a lamb of God. Friends, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful connections between what happened in the first reading and what happened on that mountain and what would happen on this mountain. You know where um, God sent Abraham to um, sacrifice his only son and he loved him very much? Um, and God said, no, nope, don't want you to do that. On that same mountain, centuries later, his only son, he allowed this to happen to save me and you. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's interesting, too, it says here, uh, then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. And most of us would say, big deal, big deal. What's this business about a cloud and a shadow? You know, if a cloud comes and casts a shadow, that means there's a cloud there. You were just imagining it. Uh, here, just drink this. Put this cold cloth on your head. Lie down for a while. Watch some TV. No! No, it was a real cloud. It was a real cloud and a real voice from a real father, his father, saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
Pope uh, Benedict uh, five or six years ago, Jesus of Nazareth, the first one. Uh, if you have this book at home, pull it out and read page, say, 305 and following. It's got a beautiful chapter on the transfiguration of the Lord. Um, the, um, what Moses and Elijah, what Moses and Elijah are doing is they're getting Peter, James, and John ready for this. They're getting, they're getting these young, younger men ready for this. It will so, it will so traumatize them. The church has held that it, they would be so traumatized that they would lose their faith. So, uh, Christ was transfigured on this mountain before it all happened to, to strengthen them. Now, I'm not about to tell you that every one of these men, uh, every one of these men was prepared. They went to mass every day. They helped these little old ladies cross the street in Libya. No, no, they were, they probably had all of the same faults that we all have. But you know, at the end of their life, these men kneeling on the beach, about to be executed, they were all repeating the name of Jesus. This man in the middle from Ghana, was not a Coptic Christian. Um, he was from Ghana in Africa. He saw how these men were acting to the, um, how do I say it, uh, extreme radical Islamic terrorists. Um, the, um, that he said, what they believe, that's what I believe. The next time you're going into Dallas, and of course if you go from Greenville to Dallas, what's going to take you about four hours to get through Roy City to Rockwall? What are they building? What are they, are they building an airport there on the highway? I don't know. But anyway, when you when you get to Lake Ray Hubbard, you cross Lake Ray Hubbard. There in the middle is Dal Rock Road. Exit Dal Rock Road once in a while and stop in there and get some gas at the Shell Station or the Dickies Barbecue. Get some barbecue or some chicken at the church's chicken or buy something there. About five years ago, when the Arab Spring sprung, if that's the spring, I don't want to see the winter. The, um, about five years ago, when that mess started in Egypt, that family left Egypt. They wanted to stay in Egypt. That family of Coptic Christians left Egypt and moved to um, that station there in the middle of Lake Ray Hubbard. And they, they run that, um, they run that uh, shell station and Dickie's Barbecue, Church's Chicken. Friends... Um, this is real suffering. God, God saw the suffering that Joseph Stalin was inflicting on his own people, on the uh, Polish soldiers in the Katyn force. None of it is hidden from him. He sees it all. He sees the small things that you and I do to take penances on ourselves. Um, he sees our suffering and none of it is lost on him. And as long as that suffering is joined to his perfect suffering, his perfect sacrifice, as the psalm says, his thanksgiving sacrifice, um, then we can do tremendous things. Oh, no, he, he was not caught. Um, he knew what they were doing. The ram uh, on in, with Abraham, the ram caught his horns and the thorns. He freely walked in too. Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He knew what they were going to do to him. And as long as you and I connect our sufferings with his sufferings, 
um, he accepts them. He, he gives them a multiplier factor that's beyond belief. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus about his exodus, about his departure. In the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit, 